Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Tarek. Hello. And you'll all be delighted to hear that uh, the Evans is back. Mr. Gaz, hey. welcome back. Hey, hey, everybody. We missed you last week. Oh, we did. I mean, oh. allegedly. 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 In theory. Welcome back. Dude. Someone, someone missed you. Speaking. I'm sure. I'm sure. This one. Cool stuff. We we have a pretty interesting topic planned for you guys tonight. Um, I use the interesting um, relatively loosely. I use the planned very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> the only part of that sentence that was probably true was the tonight. Um, <laughs> Except you'll probably uh, yes. listen to this in the morning. Yeah, but it's dark outside right now, so I'm going to call it light. And... Whatever. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, you'll probably download this and then delete it without listening. Yes. Yes, exactly. So maybe we should start off with that. Um, Derek has once again decided to announce the way that we want to uh, boost listenership for this uh, show, because maybe one day we'll land some massive sponsors based on download numbers. Um, we would like all of you to visit your nearest iStore and subscribe every device you can get your hands on before they throw you out the shop to the show. Make sure auto downloads are set to on. Um, the photos of you getting thrown out the iStore in the group. <laughs> Tell guys on the group which iStore you went to so that we don't double up, so we don't lose out on. Yeah, so someone doesn't actually need to go and unsubscribe. From the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone's going to go into iStores unsubscribing. Yes. <laughs> One star terrible. Yes. <laughs> Andy is going to yes. visit every fucking iStory can find now and go unsubscribe. Hi, Andy. There's more of us than there are Andys. So if you guys get on top of it, I'm sure we will win eventually. Um, also, you didn't get those ideas here if it's somehow technically against the terms of service for entering an iStore, but we don't really care. So. Yeah, that's fine. I've got an Android phone now. Fuck them. <laughs> I, still, I, I still have one of these. Shame. <laughs> when it dies, I'll replace it with something else. That's not kind of like the free apps. I mean, not that I have many, but and the battery that lasts. That's nice. Yeah, mine's battery lasts too. Look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <'cause> it's <laughs> smart as long as like as long as S as long as Escom doesn't turn off my battery. <laughs> well, well, yes. No, this one lasts reasonably well. Um, probably because it's mostly unused <laughs> yeah. sure that if i used it more frequently it would probably have been dead by now because i think it's two years old now oh fuck i've never like mine at 18 months always used to fuck out but i mean apple if you want to prove me wrong and send me a couple of 13 pro maxes i'll i'll try anything or if you have a couple of them and you rotate them they'll probably last more than 18 months combined but but i know uh, just don't yeah don't buy the watches I, I break them like it's going out of fashion <laughs> avoid um <clears throat> so something that we need to mention before we roll into tonight's topic is the uh stop the bleed by wild medics happening at magnum united on the 18th that's next week saturday when you're listening to this 
I don't actually know if the class is full yet. I assume it is, but it might not be. Go check out the uh, Magnum United Facebook page. I'll link the event in the show notes again. Um, if you PMB do show up for that, him. we shall be there. Uh, well, T and I shall be there. I don't know if Gaz is going. Gaz, Gaz you're going. Why? Because I didn't know about it. Fuck. We've discussed it on the show. Not I mean, last not, week. No, and no. the week before. And the week before. Oh. Chop. Uh, we need to get Gaz on that. So, T and I will be there. Um, can't speak for Gaz. So, <laughs> do you want to tell us about the, uh, unless there's something else we need to talk about before, do you want to introduce the topic? Uh, if you want to sponsor us, send us large sums of money in unmarked sequential bills. I don't think you want sequential bills. I think what you want ah, is non-sequential, non-sequential bills. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. We might be really great at, at doing things, but <laughs> crime is not one of those. <laughs> we get caught immediately. <laughs> or that's what we want you to think. <laughs> As we get caught immediately. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't think of anything, Gaz. Anyone you need to shout out to? Not off the top of my head, no. DVC Technologies, makers of the finest lubrication products for guns and other things. Um, if it needs to be slick going in or coming out, you can use DVC slick. <laughs> Gaz is your man. <laughs> um, Lovingly made by hand. <laughs> I've been using a lot of Gaz's case lube lately, um, some of it to reload rifle. Uh, the rest to do other things. Um, fan fucking tastic, spectacular stuff. It it's it really is nice when you reload rifle. You can spray it on. You can hold a handful around, spray it on, and run them through the press with no shit. Uh, That's pretty cool. I I use that exclusively. Um, I have some other case lube lying around that. Uh, when I got my hands on the first gas lube that oh, or gas case lube that I could find way back when i stopped using the other stuff i think they're all pretty much full still uh, and no, uh, i've never I've... had wait tea? sorry sorry i was interrupting you uh i've never had any issues with uh powder and stuff whilst using his lube i have in one batch once before with a different case lube had a uh, powder that would not go boom even though the That's primer bad. would you can <laughs> you can figure out what happens there um, yes. ask shawl <laughs> <laughs> I shall. Except, except uh, I noticed. So <laughs> I looked at the target and I was like, there should be a hole in it. I'm not that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that stuff is is awesome. I've I, I've got a full bottle of 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 another brand that that rhymes with Rillen um on on the bench, and I've just been using the gas stuff. It is uh, deliciousness. It absolutely is. Okay, so we've uh, mentioned the gas jizz, the gas lube, and the gas case lube. Um, <laughs> we, we've not mentioned the gas uh, uh, case cleaner. That stuff is awesome. I probably need to use some of it again at some point. Um, I'll probably clean some cases sometime in December. Not that I need to. I have sufficient that I don't need to clean any, but the batch of stuff that is uncleaned is starting to get so big that it's daunting to look at. Like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I'm going to run out of clean brass. That might not be in the next year, but at some point, I'm going to run out of clean brass. 
and I'm going to look at that pile and I'm going to be like, I'm just going to shoot factory ammo from now on. <laughs> so I should probably start doing small batches. Which is a very nice solution, I must tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anyone else we really need to mention. Uh, cool stuff. So if you want us to mention you, bribe us. Sounds apt. Cool stuff. You want to introduce the uh, the topic for uh, so what, what we th- what we thought we would chat about this um, morning, afternoon, evening, midnight, like whenever. Uh, and it's I, this is this is not based on science, but it is based on observation, and I think it's relatively accurate observation. Uh, as everyone knows, the last two years or, or year, almost two years, has been. Um, it's been challenging for everyone, uh, and and one of the the side effects we've seen here is is a what appears to be a noticeable increase in crime, um, and a noticeable change in the modus operandi of of a lot of those crimes. So um, we're seeing bigger teams in in home invasions. Um, we're seeing bigger teams in in sort of various uh, business robberies. And oftentimes better equipped, um, hearing more and more stories about, uh, you know, gang of six guys, one or two of whom had a rifle, um, gang of six guys, guys with rifles and body armor, that sort of thing. So, so what we thought we would, we would chat about, because unfortunately, we all have a lot of friends who are guilty of this. Um, and it, it's one of the, the few times that, that some of the, the, the Timmy bullshit kind of applies though it also this is also going to apply to timmy so don't get too fucking excited um you need to to take this opportunity if you're if you're a competition shooter you gotta you know it's kind of the end of the season there's no more matches um you need to take this opportunity to shoot your carry gun um and shoot your carry gear uh and and that's what we thought we'd chat about tonight so that's we all know and you probably know who you are, the dude who hasn't shot his carry gun since two years ago when he got the license for his Shadow 2. Um, and or, or who shot it once and went, oh, shit, this sucks. And instead of going, oh, I need to get better at shooting this, um, has just carried on carrying it and carried on shooting the gun that's easier to shoot. Uh, so we also know, we all know the guy who goes, oh, I shoot my carry gun, gets to the range, puts on his or her uh, strong side, cool guy holster, jams the G17 in with the, the plus six Terran mags, three plus six Terran mags with the X300, the whole kit and caboodle, um, and then goes home with a 6365 in their front pocket. Uh, or goes home with the same gun, but shoved in the pants in, in the small of the back or or doesn't carry a gun because you know the, the the cool guy gun that the internet said that they had to carry is actually too big for them to carry so what we thought we'd chat about is use this this december use this opportunity um when you're not focused on competition if you're a competition shooter which i think most of our listeners are to some extent um to to test and measure yourself with your carry gear and the capabilities of your carry gear. Um, go through this year's drill of the month, um, run those drills with your carry gear, which you were supposed to be doing, run them again. Um, and, and there's twofold advantage to this. One, it's gonna give you time on your carry gear. 
it may show you that there's there's massive issues and it may very well show you what you need to work on. So that horrible chicken skin clip-on inside the waistband holster that um, you, you chose to carry in comes out with the gun three out of four times when you draw um, and is impossible to reholster in. Well, now's, now's a good time to discover that. Um, we're not trying to be alarmist. We're not saying that the end of the world is coming, but most of our listeners are South African. South Africa is a dangerous place. The world is becoming a more and more dangerous place. I say this as a police helicopter is flying over my house. Um, <laughs> and things are getting worse. And I, and, and I think far too many people forget why they have a carry gun. They carry a gun because I must carry a gun. But you've carried it for six months, six years, you know, whatever. And it's, it's never been necessary. So it, it becomes really easy, I think, for a lot of guys to forget what it's for. Um, and to make, and often they make bullshit excuses to themselves about, well, you know, I'm a whatever, I'm an A-class shooter and I, I can shoot my, my, you know, competition gun really well. And I pull out my STR, my Shadow 2 or whatever, and I'm devastating. Um, that's fantastic. How well can you shoot um, that teeny tiny little gun you carry every day or even that Glock 19 size gun you carry every day where the trigger is much heavier, the sights aren't as nice, it's up against your body and it's hard, it, it's hard to access because it's not hanging in a CO speed rig. Um, and how well can you do it cold uh, w- without bullshitting yourself? Um, you know, what go to the range and run some cold drills uh, and, and see what the accuracy is like. See what the time's like. If you're not happy with those, don't bullshit yourself. Put the gun away and put on the easy-to-shoot gun, gun. Put the easy-to-shoot gun away for a little bit. Um, spend some time with the more difficult gear. The plus side, if you're a competition shooter, is that it's going to make you shoot your competition gun better because it's going to make you focus on fundamentals because the gun you carry for most of you is going to be more difficult to shoot than the gun that you shoot competition with. Uh, so it's going to require more application of fundamentals. If you can, if you can remind yourself about that and, and kind of polish up those fundamentals, when you shoot the easy to carry gun, you're going to shoot it better as well. That makes sense to me. A um, couple of things on that. If you haven't shot your carry gun in the last year, year and a half, two years, um, how do you know it works? Not only do, don't you know how well you shoot it, or maybe you do know how well you shoot it because you've never shot it. Um, can you guarantee that that thing still works? Because uh, I, I mean, I carry a gun that's pretty finicky and needs to like be lubed and stuff. And if you don't like make sure that that happens regularly, you might run into some problems. <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure 1911s are not the only ones that that apply to, right? There's probably a dude with a, some steel framed steel slide gun that hasn't really gotten the lube off it that it came with when it was in the box and that stuff's gone i'm not joking some lubes go tacky if you don't occasionally you know replace it through burning it off by shooting the gun and sticking new oil on it you might have a gun that fires one round and then doesn't work Um, you might have a gun that fires no rounds (laughs) because the striker channel, the, the, the firing pin channel is so clogged up with bullshit that's gotten in there that you don't know if that gun works. Um, you, I can't trust the thing that I can't shoot regularly. 
Um, and if I really can't shoot it regularly, guess what? I'm going to put my gun away. I'm going to pull a Glock out the safe. I'm going to carry that. Um, because at least it's more forgiving, not of the shooter, but it's more forgiving of being um, a dumbass when it comes to making sure that your stuff works. You can treat it like your lawnmower. Sometimes even a bit worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to make the joke I wanted to make. I'll keep it offline. Miss <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Rivens? Yeah, from my side, basically, you want to try and keep those skills as relevant as possible. And jokes aside, the skills that you develop for yourself um, in a competition environment do translate to the carry gun but it normally just has a small adjustment period for you to start seeing those sort of those fundamental skills coming through when you start shooting the carry gun so it's important to try and keep up to date with that and like Kone said it's important to to shoot them as well to make sure that everything's still working and functioning correctly um, lubricants oxidize they dry they can gel um, and you never know, you might start getting rust buildup that you're not aware of on some springs, and now all of a sudden you've got a catastrophic failure. So it's important to keep up to date with those things. And if you're shooting it, the spring shouldn't have the chance to rust because the lubrication is going to get where it needs to go. Exactly. Everyone who works in a gun shop has either seen or knows someone who's seen a dude who's come in with a gun that has a broken firing pin or, or, or some sort of like deadline failure um, that has broken in the last 10 years uh, and they don't know when because they haven't shot the gun in 10 years uh, and now this uh, you know and sometimes it's happened because they've pulled out the gun for real pulled the trigger and the gun's gone click and now they've gone to the gun shop and go oh, I don't know what's wrong with it uh, well your firing pin snapped in half sir um, and they could have been carrying that gun literally for 10 years uh, with a broken firing pin or rusted shut or whatever. Um, you know, it's, I'm, we're not saying, you know, you, you need to be that person who has three identical Glock 19s and that's all you shoot or anything like that. Uh, but when you go have a practice session and matches are not a practice session, uh, how about you finish off the session by shooting a max you carry gun? Um, how about you, you spend some time over December working your carry setup? So, um, you know, if you carry concealed appendix, drawing a gun concealed appendix, because that's not the same as ripping it out of your CR speed rig. Um, if you carry in a pocket or an ankle or, 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 a, or a bag or whatever, um, those are all extra layers of, of difficulty. Um, and I don't see a lot of people doing any of that. Uh, I see a lot of people um, and, a, and a lot of competition shooters, sadly, for foul of this, who shoot regularly, shoot the shit out of their, carry, their competition guns. Um, and their carry gun has got this sort of white, fluffy, moldy look because it hasn't been shot in so long. Um, and it's like, I oh, know it's because it's not as much fun to shoot or, or whatever. Do the same thing with your carry gun you do with your competition gear. Um, have measurable standards um what was my time to draw uh, and not what was my one blinding draw um, if i did 20 drills involving draws uh what's what sort of times was i looking at and what was my worst time um, you know if 
if you can't get that gun into action and, and sort of make an ozone hit in five at five meters in under two seconds, uh, there's a problem. Um, and that's not a that's not a huge ask. That's not a blistering time, um, you know, and, and that's not a blistering sort of target size. Uh, but if you can't do that, how do you think you're going to get this thing into action? Well, more on that. Um, my carry setup has evolved over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm still carrying the same gun, but I don't necessarily carry it in the same place. Um, I don't carry it in the same sporting gear. Holster is still the same, but it's now on an Enigma. Um, the clothing that I'm wearing currently due to sort of work stuff is not the kind of clothing that I typically wear. So I usually live in you know, jeans and a t-shirt. I'm currently living for work stuff in jeans and a formal tucked shirt. That is a vastly different way of carrying a gun and a vastly different way of accessing a gun, even if it is the same gun in the same rig. If you've changed pants or the type of pants you wear recently, your gun might be in a slightly different position because the belt loops are a different place. Uh, if you've changed the type of shirt you wear, that makes a difference to how you can draw the gun. Um, if you've moved it around for comfort purposes, that makes a difference. So even though the you know 3,000 draw repetitions you did five years ago when you got the gun um, to get good at you know appendix draws, that stuff's probably still helping you in getting stuff done efficiently, but you may need to do some actual work based on your current setup to sort of improve what you built years ago. What happened there? I don't think so, he's going to tell us. No, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'll, I will, I will bear my shame on the show. And this is, this is one of the advantages of, of actually checking, you know, you know just, Sort of pre-flighting your carry gear and and and, and checking it. I uh, I managed to um, bounce my carry gun off a laundry basket, uh, and it it managed to obviously land um, with the 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 corner of the optic, you know, stop the, the 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 impact of the fall. So, you know, the the delicate, expensive thing on top is what um, stopped the sort of plastic people popper from smashing into the ground. Um, and uh, when I picked up the gun, I noticed that the, the dot had moved from where it normally sits in the, in the lens hard to nine o'clock. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I, I have a rough idea where, uh, where the dot sits to my backup iron sights because it's not co-witness to them or anything. It's zeroed it's separately, but it's, it's in a similar sort of plane. Um, and I noticed if I aligned those, the dot was hard to the left. Uh, so fortunately, I, I checked that, went to the range um, to to confirm what had happened. And the first shot at sort of seven meters was like, I think it was like six inches right. Um, That's one hell of a flinch you've got there. <laughs> what was interesting is when I fired that first shot, um, it banged the reticle back into place and it returned to zero. That's weird. Uh, That's damn weird. So remember, your your, your reticle adjustment is mechanical. Um, no, no, I, I know. It probably just got stuck from the impact and then hmm. unstuck when you fired it. But the fact that it returned to zero didn't just go to somewhere sort of in adjacent to zero, but returned to zero is pretty impressive. 
I thought it was really weird. Fired the first shot, went hard right, carried on shooting, and it was it was on. It was an inch or two high at, at 25, which is possibly possible. I, I think I'd, I'd zeroed this one at, at 10 in a hurry when I had zeroed it. So it was on at 10, um, at 25 was an inch or two high. Uh, but it, it's a good example of shit happens. Um, the the blow did did affect zero. I fortunately had spotted it and then went and, and, and chased it and and shot, you know, I shot a bit more just to make sure that everything was fine. Um, but had I needed that shot, I could have once again been the dude walking around for six months or a year or whatever um, with an unzeroed gun where if I needed that that shot, it was going to be six inches right of where I wanted it, uh, which is not a, and an actual six inches, not a man six inches. In, in, in carry gun terms, that's pretty bad because what is six inches from where you were aiming is probably not the thing you intend to hit. So yeah. That's that's pretty bad in carry terms. You know, you think about that classic movie hostage shot. Uh... <laughs> Once you shoot the first one, they're all just witnesses. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it so... it changes the rules of engagement entirely. <laughs> so I'm glad to say my optic survived the fall. Um, the awesome MRST mounting survived the fall, uh, and after one shot, it returned to zero. But uh, had I not have kind of paid a little bit of attention and known you know that it, it was also just that the gun didn't feel right you know if the if the optic was centered in the in the lens the gun didn't the, the grip didn't feel right so the index felt off and if the index felt on the dot wasn't centered in the lens um that's not the gun i shoot competitions with uh but i at least spend a little bit of time with it so i think that's uh it's one of the things that that i think can happen um and that we need to you know if we're not if we're not spending time pre-flighting that carry gear uh, and also i know lots of guys who the competition gun gets cleaned and lubed and all that sort of shit and the carry gun is literally treated like the lawnmower um, i also know lots of guys where the uh, competition gun doesn't even get that attention so well yeah i mean mine doesn't but uh <laughs> gets lubed but it does get lubed there's always time for lubrication. Exactly. Take the leg, take the leg. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the movie reference in the comments below. <laughs> um, cool stuff. So let's talk about, um, obviously, you want people to go out and do some of the drill of the months that were presented throughout this year. Um, is there any particular place where you would start? Um, you know that, but I think it, it, it matters hugely. Um, I think if you can, you know, take, do a little bit of dry fire with your carry gun, go to the range with 200 rounds and run a couple of drills with it. Uh, you know, it's the test and the half test are, are always a solid sort of place to start. Um, you know, it's a, it's a reasonable accuracy standard. It's a reasonable time standard. Uh, and on that, you can see, that you know, if you're taking three seconds to fire the sh first shot on the test, there's a problem. If you're taking two seconds to fire the first shot on the half test, um, you know that's a, a, a relatively close shot. Um, your 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 reality might involve a super deep concealment carry method, um, but then you need to be prepared for that. And 
what often happens is your carry method involves uh, an open t-shirt, uh, you know, or an, or, a, or an untucked t-shirt or untucked shirt. Uh, and if it's then still taking you three seconds to fire that first shot on, on, on the, on the off test, um, probably a good time for some introspection uh, because that's three seconds to fire the first shot under sort of ideal circumstances. Uh, so if, if shit gets real, that could turn into four, five, six seconds. Um, so those are a solid start. It, it really, you know, we, we did the five yard roundup, which is a, is a really, really good drill. I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of useful drills there. Why not go do them all? Um, you know, do some dry fire and, and just take some ammo. It's not going to be hugely ammo intensive, um, and, and run through the various drills, uh, and just see where you are, get, get acquainted with your carry gun, see what peculiarities it has uh, compared to what you shoot. And as I say, if, if, if you're a Timmy who, who, who does the same thing, well, then you don't get to make fun of the gamers because you're stupid. Um, <laughs> there's nothing funnier than the dude who's like, oh, you gamers, you know, you go to the range and you put your rig on and then you watch the dude strap on a Safari Land 6004 and, and drop a G17 in it. He's like, he's an accountant who carries a G43. Um, or, or insert gun here as the uh, as the the nice plate carrier mm. with a with a place for a cell phone yes and, and, an and a calculator. contact book and a calculator <laughs> and tissues <laughs> yep and, and just for the record i'm not making fun of timmy's unnecessarily uh, i'm making fun of the timmy's who who kind of try and pretend that um strapping on a plate carrier and a battle belt is somehow different to strapping on a competition rig. Um, if you don't get paid to wear those things, they probably shouldn't involve the majority of your practice time. Uh, yeah. Even if you have them, um, there's a lot more chance that you're going to be shooting some dude with your spare mag clenched between your naked buttocks in your uh, buttocks um, in your passageway then you are going to be all kitted up with, with all your cool guy gear. You guys have spare mags? <laughs> I'm going to say this for everyone to hear. Clenching single stack steel mags is going to be very uncomfortable. Um, at least Glock mags would not get quite as cold in the winter. <laughs> I was going to say, you can be glad it's summer at the moment. Yeah, so... I'm not taking a spare bag. I'm just, if I'm naked, I'm going to just take the gun. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds highly unpleasant. Um, would you uh, consider running something like the dot torture first, sort of fast track finding problems and then work on those? I've been, I've been shooting dot torture a lot lately, um, partially because I think it's a great visual patience drill. Uh, and, and that's a good place to start. You know, there's there's a lot of draws in it. Um, there's a lot of sort of basic manipulations of your gun. Um, and I think it's one of the most useful. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do sort of every practice session, but I think it's a very useful um, sort of test of where you you are. You know, useful application of fifty rounds. Um, it's it's not necessarily going to make you faster. Uh, I mean, there, there are aspects of it that you can use to help yourself get faster. Um, but it is a great way to work on visual patience, and it's a great way to ensure that you're doing multiple draws from how you carry the gun. 
um, if you're doing it properly. Uh, you're going to shoot with your strong hand. You're going to shoot with your weak hand. You're going to have to do a reload. Um, and what I'll often do with that as well, just, just for a bit of variety, is I'll do a, a reload with retention or attack reload. Um, just to, you know, because honestly, for a lot of us, that spare mag's thrown in the pocket. Um, so if you're doing that, do the same thing. Do the reload from where your spare mag actually is. So how you got the to the range that day, and preferably how you got to the range that day resembles how you would go out for lunch the next day or go to the office the day before, not kits it all up because you're going to the range and you, you have to be seen to be cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to the range today. I'm not going to stop anywhere between here and there and there and back hmm. because I'm dressed in a way that is massively conspicuous. Yes. <laughs> And but, somewhat embarrassing, like, <laughs> like if if it's a, if if it's if it's a manner of dress that your wife would not appear with you in public, maybe reconsider it. That's more for the men, because generally women are yeah, brighter I, than I, us. I, I, I was just thinking, so I can't wear anything to the range. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't come to the range naked, come. <laughs> Hot brass and dangly bits are not uh, not friends, shall we say? I mean, it'll be funny if for the rest. Stand on a hot piece of brass. Please wear close shoes. <laughs> Safety first. Yeah, close shoes, Crocs. <laughs> so that you can manage to get, whilst wearing your close shoes, you can manage to get a hot case inside your shoe. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that does not sound like fun. I'm a big fan of dot torture. Um, he said, I wouldn't necessarily go and shoot that every range session, and I wouldn't use it as a, as a form of practice. Um, learn from it, see where you are deficient, and then practice that skill in isolation, right? Don't, don't, don't do a 50 round sort of exercise test in order to improve your, uh, weekended shooting that you do for, you know, a couple of rounds in that first draw. That's not really an efficient use of time or, uh, or ammo. Thing that I really like about the dot torture, other than the variety of skills, is the fact that it is untimed. Um, that might sound a little bit weird, but you should. This is not a value judgment if you can't, um, because I have difficulty shooting with my my left hand, and as a result, I can't clean this um, beyond sort of three meters. I used to be able to, but I, I, I'm really struggling at the moment. But because there is no time limit on this, it's just you and doing what is necessary to make the shot you should be able to clear this at three meters. You should be able to. If you are not able to do it and you're not rushing, there should be some very uh, clear-cut indicators of where you're going wrong that you should be able to pick up on. Yeah. If you're rushing, you're doing the drill wrong, stop that. Okay. The idea is to shoot as quickly as you can. So as soon as you can realistically shoot the round and make the impact where you want it, you should be firing. We're not looking for, you know, I'm going to do a three second clean up the fucking side picture at three meters every time because there's no time limit. Um, don't rush it. Don't don't try and do silly things to to try and wang rounds off more quickly than you actually are capable of doing at that distance for that target difficulty because you're there is no time. There is no reason for you to try and be faster Making the round go where it needs to go is the most important thing in that entire drill. And if you're failing on that, you have some stuff that you need to fix. Um, be that technical skill, 
uh, be that inconsistencies in draws and things when you're doing the, the, the sections that include draws, be that uh, inconsistencies in grip after a reload when you're doing the reload section, um, or be it visual patience, inability to align the sights correctly, or just lots of guys do is they just fucking shank the trigger or they're not gripping the gun sufficiently for how aggressive they're trying to be on the trigger. Um, it's an excellent drill. Yeah, I would absolutely start there. I, I think dot torture is a great drill. So drills I really like to do with the carry gun. Dot torture, I'll do with the carry gun, I'll do with a competition gun. And as we mentioned last week, I haven't got on the on, on the site because I've been too busy with the nationals. But um for December, January, our drill of the month is going to be dot torture. Um because I think it's it'll be good for everyone. Uh I'm I also, you know, depending on the range, you know, the range I have, um Gabe White's food court standard. Uh, I think is a really, really Very good cool. um, uh, drill to run with your carry gun, and that involves it's all at seven meters. Um, generally, I use an IDPA target, so it's got a an eight-inch circle in the chest and a, and a four-inch circle in the head. Um, and it's it's a bull drill. It's drawn fire six shots into the chest, um, seven meters. Uh, a failure to stop, so two two to the body, one to the head. An instant stop, which is drawn fire two to the head. And then his his split bill, which is drawn fire for body two head. So you get four draws in it if you if you if you do it once. Um, you get some transitions to the head. It's a really useful drill. Um, and if you go into to various websites, if you just Google the the Gabe White drill, um, it'll give you breakdowns of of how he's kind of scored the various times. And his his turbo standard is fucking hard um, to try and make. That is is super challenging, but if you can make, I can't remember what the lowest one is, I think it's the dark patch, um, you're in a pretty solid place. So that's a good drill. Um, the the uh, If you've got the space, this is a little bit more challenging because it, 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 it involves access to a 25 meter range. And to be honest, it is soul destroying for a lot of people. Uh, the LAPD SWAT uh, qualification is a is a really really good drill not massive time time uh, pressure um but challenging accuracy standard that that hurts a lot of people um so things like that dark side the idpa classifier if you do that from your carry gear uh reasonable you know relatively loose accuracy standard um on the sort of outer edge of, of what i like with a carry gun but um workable it'll make you work things and I do when I when I run the carry gun, I do lots of failure to stop drills at different distances from sort of three to 10, 15 meters. Um, I will do lots of failure to stop drills because I want to kind of hardwire good good habits in there. So, you know, it, it doesn't need to be super complicated. Um, you could literally take 30 rounds and do 10 failure to stop drills if you've got a range that'll allow you to draw, um, you know, and 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 get good repetitions in on that. Uh, I know some people have, have an issue with access to range that allows you to draw. Um, what you might have to do then is you might have to dry fire your draw a lot. Uh, you know, it's, I think we're better off here. It sounds like a fair amount of the guys in the States have, have more of a challenge. I think because of the restrictions here, we kind of have more sort of private clubs as opposed to, to just indoor shooting ranges. Um, but chat to your chat to your shooting range, see if they'll allow you to draw from the holster. Um, see, you know, sometimes they'll have a requirement and say that that they wanna they wanna watch you do it a bit and just see that you're safe. Um, if if you don't have that option, 
then dry, dry practice draws a hell of a lot. Um, if you do have that option, dry practice draws a hell of a lot uh, from that concealment setup. You know, with a lot of the, um, when, the, when the guys translate or transfer themselves from a competition sort of environment or mindset and they go over to carry gun or defensive stuff, they, they, <clears throat> they sort of let the carry stuff intimidate them because it's a little bit more difficult to shoot. So it requires a little bit more patience from your side. But in reality, if you take what you practice or should be practicing from a competition perspective, it's the same things that you're going to be practicing in a defensive situation, but you're probably going to hold yourself to a slightly higher accuracy standard, depending on what you're working on. So there's still draws. It's just a little bit more difficult to get to, but once you know how to do it, well, it's not that difficult anymore. It's the same as the shooting. Yes, the sites aren't as nice as your competition sites, but they're, they're, they're typically going to be built for more than one purpose. Once you know what you need to do with those sites, it's now simpler, it's easier. It's the same thing as transitioning, reloads, your trigger, all of that stuff stays the same when it when you translate it from competition to self-defense. You might run slightly different drills, but at the end of the day, the fundamental skill, set of skills that you're going to be working on the same thing. Shooting exactly. is shooting. Transferring between guns is is often more challenging, even if it is a a sort of similar gun to a similar gun um, in terms of size. But if they're set up differently, guys can have some some difficulty transitioning between. So if you have a a competition Glock 17 and you have a carry Glock 17, those things are not the same because you've got a massive magwell on the competition one. You've got a nice trigger in it. You've got you know really nice fiber sights on it, and then. In your carry gun, you have a stock trigger and you have Trigicon uh, HD XRs or whatever these things are called. You have no magwell. You have, you know, it's it's not the same gun. It's similar, but it's not the same gun. As Gaz said, the skills will be transferable, but your your standards, not accuracy standards, your standards in terms of time performance might need to be adjusted slightly when you're shooting your carry gun because for... Time is very important, don't, don't get me wrong here. But for carry gun skill, the most important thing is making the hit when the hit is required. doesn't matter how quickly you can bang off around that goes somewhere. Um, it doesn't matter how spectacular your draw is if you then end up with a gun that's completely misaligned your hands or whatever. The important bit there is making the hit when it is required. Um, and the biggest difference that is common in, in carry guns versus competition guns is where you're getting the gun from when you need it. Once you have it drawn, shooting is shooting. So, yeah, uh, I think that's, that's something people sometimes overcomplicate. The mechanics of shooting the gun doesn't change. Um, I Basically, you, your grip might be slightly different because of physical size differences, but the principles of your can remain the same. The principles of your trigger control, your principles of aiming all going to remain the same. Um, I think uh, to kind of build on what Corneau said, time time is important. I, 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 I get annoyed. There's a little bit of a of a, a, a trend in some circles to try and pretend that time isn't important. It is important, um, but tenths of a second probably matter less. And that might sound counterintuitive, uh, but you know, if you're shooting a 32 round stage, a tenth of a second on per shot. Um, over 32 rounds becomes a dramatic thing. Um, a tenth of a second on a three-shot gunfight uh, is, is probably going to be less dramatic. That's not to say give away time. 
Um, it's to say that there's it, it's a there's a there's a higher level of accountability required. Um, and your accuracy standard, the consequences of a of a of a of an of a bad shot are much worse. Um, you know, a no shoot in a gunfight is super problematic. Uh, a mic in a gunfight is super problematic. I am firmly of the opinion when I'm doing self defense drills and that 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 rounds that hit sort of the Charlie um, or the or the minus one and ninety PA target are misses. Uh, that that's how I approach them with a carry gun. Um, you know, if I'm practicing sort of so-called, if you think about it as almost match mode with a carry gun, um, if it if it's in that minus three on an IDPA target or a, um, you know, the minus uh, the minus one, the the C or the D zone on a on an IPSC target, I genuinely consider that a miss um, because while a C zone hit might still hit the dude, um, it's not going to hit anything important. If, if you look at the D zone on or the, or the minus three on an IDPA target, for that to be a hit on a, on a human, the dude would have to be at least my size. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, I am a relatively large mammal. Um, on the average size dude, what would be a minus three would probably be a miss unless his arms are hanging on his sides and then you're going to wang him in the arm. Um, so we're going to need a higher accuracy standard because the consequences of, of those those miss, you know, those those sort of non-effective hits are are greater. Um, you probably have less gear on you. Um, you know, you probably don't have four spare mag pouches with four mags in them. Um, there's a good chance you don't have two spare mag pouches with two mags on them, like you do in your IDPA gear. So you need to make sure that you, uh, you you've got a reasonable accuracy standard. You need to be able to also make sure that you can deal with the gun safely. Um, in the way you carry it. I, I had a bit of a giggle a little while ago. I shot an, an IPSC match and I shot uh, my G48 from concealment. Um, I shot in my carry holster, which involved carry, you know, uh, a concealed appendix. Um, and I had some ROs freak out about it because this is like super dangerous. And I'm like, I carry a gun like this every day. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but now we're drawing against the clock. I draw a gun like this all the time against the clock. Um, it really doesn't bother me. And, and we need to be careful of that, that we're not getting so used to that big forgiving rig that's holding the gun 49.8 millimeters away from your body. Uh, and then we shove the gun down the front of our pants. Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that we can, safety is even more important than accuracy and speed, shock horror. Uh, there are enough people in the world trying to kill you don't add to that list um, and don't thwack your a significant other or child in the brain uh, because you didn't know how to pull a gun out from concealment uh, because that's just stupid and embarrassing. Yep. Um, I have seen some spectacularly dumb stuff on draws, but I've seen even dumber stuff on reholstering. Um, guys are once the shooting is done people want to check their work and they completely forget that they have a potentially deadly object that they need to you know safely get in a place where it can no longer harm people before you go and check stuff um, i've seen dudes do all sorts of weird stuff from taking guns on a shooting range sticking it in their weak hand muzzle facing uprange so they grab it sort of by the slide 
and they walk down the range to go check their target. You have a live gun flagging everything behind them. There's no no there's no sort of consideration for that could potentially be unsafe. Um like I I don't understand it because I am not like that and I have never been like that. But I see it often enough to know that there are lots of people who are like that and who don't consider this thing to be dangerous. It's a it's a tool, it's not it's not something that we need to be scared of or and I'm not saying you should be scared of guns, but not something we should be cautious about because you know where whatever i know what i'm doing i've been shooting for 20 years whatever <laughs> the story usually is that goes with that it's um, never a good start so yes exactly so be, be conscious of that stuff um it would probably be a good idea for you to at least think about what you do after an actual shooting not after shooting the range after an actual shooting how do you deal with a gun um i do not want to be holstering a gun that is partially empty uh, unless I absolutely have to. Uh, I really don't want to be holstering until I'm sure that it is safe for me to do so, not just in terms of safe as I'm not going to flag myself or anything, but also safe as in the environment is no longer a threat and try to kill me. Um, I would probably... It's very common to see dudes run build rules for competition stuff. They'll whack it out the holster. They'll do a 191 build rule and they'll holster about three times as quickly as their splits were. And walk down range to go and check what happened that's a really bad idea in in sort of everyday gun stuff if you have to use that thing defensively um so maybe start considering what you're going to do with the gun after an actual shooting are you going to top upload you can retain the mag and drop the mag are you going to you know what are you doing with that gun are you going to keep it in your hand and just keep it in a safe direction what do you do obviously also consider what happens when the police show up and you've decided to keep your gun in your hand so be clever and and I, I think Corn makes a good point there. I think one of the the the, the few advantages or big advantages of the cool guy Timmy bring the guy gun into high compressed ready and then scan, which which often involves just moving your head around arbitrarily and not seeing anything. But um, far be it for me to question these things. Um, is that it stops people trying to see how quickly they can shove a live gun into the piece of Kydex down the front of their pants. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of reluctantly reholstering. Uh, that's not to say not you know I've, I come across people who will not who carry appendix but don't train from appendix because it's dangerous. Um, they don't carry appendix, um, but put it away carefully. Um, you know don't don't you know you, you get guys where you hear that holster that gun smash into the holster as they reholster. I'm not aware of anyone in history who's ever won a fight because they put their gun away faster than anyone else. Um, and no matter how hard they try, police response time is probably going to be more than five seconds. So you've probably got time to uh, be slightly careful when you when you put that thing away. Um, you know, it's I've I've seen some weird extremes where like guys will not reholster appendix if they're seated. Well, if you're in the car and you thought you needed the gun. You now need to stash that thing. And I think putting it back in the holster, even if you are seated, is safer than now trying to shove it under your leg or shove it between the seats or whatever other stupid stupidity I've seen people recommend, um, you know, with, with, with a hard gun. Uh, but, you know, these are things that if you, if you haven't thought about them, the, the, the best or, or the ideal time to start thinking about them is not post the most traumatic day of your life. 
and and I think too many people do that. You know, one one of my big ones is guys who carry uh, double action hammer fired guns with the hammer down with no decocker, uh, Vector SP1 CZ75s. Uh, I'm firmly of the opinion that if you carry one of those, it should be treated as a single action gun. Um, it should be carried cocked and locked and shot cocked and locked because I, I see it all the time where guys, you know, this lowering the hammer by hand, I've seen enough experienced shooters have that get away from them on the range on load and make ready that I sure as fuck don't want to be doing that in my house or, you know, in the spa post gunfight. Um, and you're also, sorry, T-Bag, yeah. you're also generally training yourself to do that decocking action with the muzzle pointed in a safe direction. The safe direction is generally downrange, muzzle parallel to the ground. Yeah. Um, that is never going to be the case after a gunfight, yeah. ever. And, you know, I've, I've, I've seen with that quite often. I've said to guys, okay, cool, let's see what happens. Um, and they go, so I'm like, what are you going to do? And you, you either get this look of, well, I'm just going to lower the hammer. What's wrong with you? Um, or, oh, no, no, I'll just put the safety on. You go, okay, let's see. And if, if dude, and it's generally a dude, has always lowered the hammer to holster it, they're going to try and lower the hammer. The problem is that they're not trying to do that with a heart rate of 200 beats per minute, poo running down their legs going, fuck, 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 fuck. Um, there's a lot more chance of, of, of around getting cooked off. So think about that and think about think about the shit that can go wrong. Not... Not what am I going to do if I get in a gunfight with 18 guys and there's guys fucking rappelling off the roof because that's just stupid. Um, but think about realistic shit um, when, uh, with regards to your carry gear. Uh, so if your plan is that I'm going to take my holster off my belt, put my gun in it and then holster it, A, how are you putting your gun in your holster without sweeping your hand? The answer is you're probably not. Um, and B, does that work? Uh, you know, are you now going to undo your belt and drop your trousers in the middle of the spa after you just shot three people in self-defense? Um, I'll tell you what, that is a power play. And <laughs> when the video comes out on active self-protection, John's going to be, you know what, from now on, I'm advocating that the moment the gun site is finished, you drop trow to show that you're the king. <laughs> Especially if you, if you, you know, go commando, uh, <laughs> balls flapping in the wind, <laughs> pants around your ankle <laughs> with your, your pistoling. Uh, yeah, n- none of that is particularly clever. So um, think about shit like that. Uh, how is it going to work? Can you reholster? You know, Raven Vanguard 2 is an awesome holster or, or it's an awesome special purpose device. Uh, it does take two hands to holster. So if your one hand is now involved moving your child behind you, moving your significant other, hanging on to your child, whatever, what are you going to do with a gun? Um, because if you try and shove that back in the vanguard, there's a good chance you're going to blow something off. Um, you know, it's, I'm not saying don't use it. I use vanguard pretty often, but make sure that you've, you, you've thought of how you're going to deal with these things um, and don't try and put your gun back into the CR speed holster that you shoot matches with that you're not wearing because you're in the spar at seven o'clock at night. Uh, because people do weird shit. Just on the topic of um, reholstering specifically DASA guns, decocker or not, um, first one on the reholstering, I have seen dudes 
reholster sig 226s and 229s hammer back um that is not safe people do not fucking do that that is not safe um so i've seen them do that after not 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 a not a gunfight but i've seen them do that after shooting targets and going gee i want to i want to see what i did so i'm just going to crack this thing with the hammer back back into a holster it's not the same thing as a 1911 with a safety on hammerback. That's not the same animal. Or I've also Glock. seen, or is a Glock, or a striker fired gun in general. Yeah, striker fired guns are be safe, but they are safe to reholster in the condition that they're in. There's no special action required on your behalf. Um, I've also seen, and this is more back to the practicing with your carry gear. Um, I've seen dudes who shoot production in IPSC, and production is striker guns or or DASA guns first shot has to be fired double action so hammered down I've seen dudes in in training and stuff deliberately holster guns hammer back because it gives them a slightly faster first round um, they do that quite often on guns that do not have any form of safety that can be engaged they're also doing that in the absence of training with a gun that is being drawn in single action um, if you're used to drawing guns that are double action and you're you, you're used to that that's what you do all the time you need to apply some 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 thought to going single action because you cannot aggressively prep the trigger anymore there is no such thing as i am going to go halfway through this trigger pull as i clear the holster no you're not going to shoot yourself in the leg or the foot <laughs> you guarantee fucking teed that you're going to shoot yourself um so if you're switching between guns of different action types be aware that there can be differences in how you can shoot the guns aggressively um during the the, the draw process um there is almost certainly going to be a difference in how you can safely reholster the gun there will definitely be a difference in how you make the gun safe after performing an action so i won't necessarily want to reholster my 229 after defensive shooting but I sure as hell want to, the moment I come off target, I want to run the decocker. The moment I come off target. So up, up, decocker. Gun goes to low radio, wherever it needs to go back in holster. Up, up, You like that? That's, I mean, that, not on that gun. That gun's more like, bah, bah. Uh, <laughs> clear the no malfunction because one... T shot it. No one can hear the t because everyone's death after you fight that hell <laughs> fury out there. It might as well put be aware of that you need to if you're carrying guns like i said that are of different action types you need to train that stuff in very important yeah i mean i've i've commented about, about it before i've i've seen multiple people with with bread 92 designs and i'm a anyone who knows me knows i'm a massive fan of the 92 um do a manipulation on the slide and bump safeties on um and then have a dead gun and if they haven't trained to switch the safety off then we, we watch the kabuki dance of them trying to make the gun work by racking slides and, and all sorts of shit. There's a reason that my M9A3 is a G variant um, because I don't have that concern. I also, and this is going to sound a bit weird, and, and this is completely not science, so, so, so please don't, uh, don't pretend as such. I find I have a much easier time transitioning between two very different guns than two very similar guns. So if I, I'm, at the moment, I'm shooting classic, uh, which involves God's gun. Um, so I'm, I'm shooting a, a, a Colt because, you know, it's not a copy. 
1911 um, competition series. When I, if I pick up my lightweight commander, which is a very similar design, very similar ergonomics, I almost struggle more because my brain expects it to shoot like the twice as heavy steel frame five inch gun. Whereas if I pick up my Glock 48, my brain runs a different sort of um, program almost. Uh, and I, I can't give you a, I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist or a neurologist, but I found for me over the years, I've, and, and this is contrary to what a lot of, a lot of people have told me over the years, uh, maybe it's because I shoot lots of guns. I find it's much easier for me to transition between two very different guns than two variations of a theme. Um, so that's something to bear in mind as well, that if you're shooting a Shadow 2 and carrying a PO7, um, make sure once again that you're shooting that carry gun because if you pull it out and you go, okay, well, this is a double, you know, hammer fire, double action, single action, um, CZ, it's not going to shoot like your Shadow 2. Uh, if you're, you know, if, if you're shooting a, a slicked up 2011 and you now pull out your Colt Officers model, it's not going to shoot the same. Yep. So, so you, you need to be aware of that as well. That is true. Um, I mean, I, I carry a lightweight commander and I shoot a lot of, you know, I spend most of my time shooting on a you know, five inch 1911, just technically the same gun, technically. Reality, they're, they're, they're vastly different animals. Um, I can, if I've been shooting a lot of competition and I haven't been spending any time on carry gear, get myself into a little bit of trouble because of the rate that I expect to be able to shoot this gun at. Um, I expect to be able to shoot this gun faster than I can. Um, despite the fact that I can shoot it reasonably fast, I cannot shoot it as fast as my competition guns. Um, and I shouldn't try to in a defensive encounter, but... The brain is going, hey, this is the same thing. <laughs> it, the, the other thing to bear in mind with, with this is, and, and this is something that, that often upsets people, some guns don't work for some people. I'll, and I'll give you an example. Corn uh, has, for instance, a SIG 229. Um, and as much as I like to give SIG shit, um, the 229 is probably the best gun they still build. Um, it's a fucking cool gun. And when I shoot it, it has weird malfunctions that doesn't don't happen to anyone else. Um, and I'm not someone who causes guns to malfunction a lot. I, I shoot a fair amount, my guns work. Uh, when I shoot Corns 2 to 9, it will have malfunctions that no one has ever seen in history. Uh, yep. But and it's a reliable gun with good quality ammo uh, in in what should be a reliable feeding cartridge. Um, and when he shoots it. It runs like a stabbed rat. Uh, and when I shoot it, it doesn't. <laughs> now, if I was carrying that gun because the internet told me that it's a super reliable gun in a super reliable caliber, blah, 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 and I never shot it because, well, you know, why would I want to do that? Because it's not as much fun to shoot as, a, as my classic gun. Um, I could be in for a nasty surprise. Uh, and, and shit like that happens with all sorts of gear where you have, I, I don't know why the gun doesn't work for me. I cannot tell you, um, and it's it, but it has the most peculiar malfunctions. Uh, and yeah, I used to own a two to nine and forty that also had weird malfunctions. So there's some there's some me sig two to nine interface issue. There there is a picture of a two to nine in three five seven sig, which is a bottlenose 
cartridge, which shouldn't fucking even attempt to do this. Attempting to double feed after tee shots. Um, yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that gun has never done it before. It has never done it since. Um, Could it do it shot that gun times with me? I think I had three malfunctions the day I shot it. Yes, and you also managed to uh, make it go click a lot. Instead oh, that, of that, that I can do in all classic things. That's my party trick there. Yeah. He, he interferes with the D cocker because of the size of his hands and like the gun just won't fire. So <laughs> interfering. Uh, uh, so that you know that that's one of those things where, where you need to be sort of cognizant of of what's happening. You know, the 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 other thing is that smaller guns are going to be less forgiving. I was I was messing around with a couple of guns today and one of the guns I shot was a G26. Um Glock 26s are incredibly good shooting guns no matter what anyone tells you because they feel funny they're very accurate and and they can be shot very well but and there's always there's always a but because it's a small gun they're less forgiving of of input issues so what would be i was shooting dot torture what would be on the ring with a, a g17 um or even my g48 would be a clean miss um, with a G26 short side radius because it had iron sights because yeah, like doing some weird World War One reenactment. Um, so those are all things you need to be aware of, and you know the, the this perception that I just need to be able to hit a main size target at three meters is silly, uh, and the time you want to find out that it's silly is not when. You're now trying to stop someone who's actively trying to hurt you. Um, there's a video floating around today as we record this of a of a, a shooting in well post shooting video in Zim, uh, I think five man home invasion team, which is kind of weird for them. Um, hit an, attor an attorney's house. He shot three of them dead on the spot. Um, one of them had a rifle. Uh, those are those are some those are some heavy odds. Um, he made some headshots, which did what headshots do. Uh, but those those are challenging odds. Um, and those are not the times I want to find out that I can't shoot my carry gun accurately or it has a weird malfunction or I just can't draw it from my, my normal carry method because uh, my shirt was tucked in or whatever. Yeah. A little bit more on that. Um, all of us advocate um, not getting to gunfights if it is at all avoidable. Because Amen. the chances of you um, coming off second best in the gunfight are a lot better if you get into gunfights. If you don't get into them, the odds of you losing a gunfight are pretty low. Um, there will be times that you need to do that. And, you know, that's, that's life, and we wish you all the best with what happens there. Um, don't be the dude who is overconfident because he carries a gun, who is now going to get involved in this armed robbery because I carry a gun that hasn't shot that carry gun of yours that you're now going to use to get into trouble that you could have avoided. Um, and you don't know if you can shoot it. You don't know if it works. Yeah. Um, you might even be the dude who gets into the fight because I carry a gun to realize it's at home in the safe because you haven't carried in six months. So be careful um, of that stuff. But don't let ego get the better of you and, uh, and do dumb things. Um, and I'm saying dumb things when you, you, you purposefully pursue something that you don't need to. I'm not saying it's dumb to defend yourself. I'm massively pro that. I, I, I think that's that's an important point. Um, you know, 
while we discuss all of this, first prize is always going to be avoidance. First prize is always going to be, you know, having the security that hopefully keeps people out of your house, um, avoiding trouble, all of that. Uh, that's not a panacea. And sometimes people get a little bit silly and seem to think that, uh, you know, if, if you got in a gunfight, you must have fucked up. But no, sometimes someone just decided they wanted you or your shit badly enough that they were going to push through. And, and as we discussed at the beginning of the show, um, oftentimes criminals are getting a little bit more desperate now as, as shit gets more real um, and as, as things get more, more challenging out there. So we want to do everything we can to avoid it. Um, don't go looking for trouble. Don't go to stupid places with stupid things doing, you know, uh, you, you know, the, the, in the States, there's been lots of discussion about the Rittenhouse shooting. Um, and the fact is that while the shooting was legally justified, and I think morally justified, um, the rest of that child's life, and he's what, 17 or he's 18 years old now, he's a child. Um, the rest of his life is fucked. Uh, you know, for the rest of his life, he's going to be the dude who shot the dudes in Kenosha. Um, if we can avoid that, that's better. Um, if if we can't, then we need to make sure that we, we win that fight um, categorically. But there's no point. Um, it's stupid to look for trouble. It's stupid for, to get into unnecessary trouble. Um, don't shoot people for, for stuff. Uh, if they're driving away in your car or running away with your car radio or whatever, it's probably insured. Um, even if it's not insured, uh, if it's the sort of car that's not insured, then it's definitely, almost definitely costs less than um, the attorney's fees are going to cost um, to justify thwacking someone for it. So if you can avoid getting in a shooting, if you can avoid getting in a fight, if you can live your whole life only ever shooting your cool guy gear on the range, that's much better. Yep, that is much better. But despite all what we just said, please go train with your carry gear because someday that trouble might come find you even though you're trying to avoid it. Um, there are some, some horror stories of trouble finding people. Yep. There are also some horror stories of people finding trouble. Um, I shared a story with T with last week, two weeks ago, of a dude that went to school with me who did something uh, I'm not a fan of. Um, he didn't do anything illegal, um, but he did something that I'm not a fan of. And unfortunately he got injured in the process. So, um, I don't think that that was, that was worth what happened there. And I, he, he, he got off lucky. Uh, it could have been far worse. So big fan of, of net, not getting into stuff that you don't need to get into. Don't let your ego make decisions for you. Yep. Don't let the fear of, of, of looking like you're not a man, um, put you in trouble yep exactly or a woman whatever he goes he goes bad on both sides just it's worse than men typically (laughs) yeah once i've said this before women are generally brighter than men as a species um and are less likely to to do the obviously stupid shit we do yep exactly um some questions in closing for for the both of you um what distances would you go and train T realistically uh, for? If, I understand it's going to be situational for where you live and what you do, but what sort of good guidelines for guys to go and? You know, I, we, we know that 
the typical fight is happening at around five meters. Um, so I would, I would probably focus in that five to 10 meter range. Um, but I want to shoot my carry gun out to 15, 20, even 25 meters if I can, uh, because that happens. That's a reality. And the marksmanship there is a lot more difficult. I also do some stuff at three meters. Um, because the the marksmanship is is pretty simple, um, but the the timing is is probably more important. Um, you know, if you're if you've got a three second draw at three meters, um, you're probably not getting that gun into the fight. Uh, if you've got a three second draw at seven meters, there's more chance of it of of it being uh, of it being a thing. So <sighs> vary it um that's why it's a nice idea to to do some of the drills out there um you know i'd i think you're better off focusing on being able to hit the the black in a ba8 at five to seven meters than you are trying to hit the big brown thing at 25 meters um ideally we want to be able to hit the the, the black of a b8 at, at 25 meters but that 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 is very very challenging um so yeah, I, I like to vary a little bit. I like to, but that's combined with relatively tight targets. So once again, on an IDPA target, that zero down, um, that's about the biggest target I'm I'm ever shooting at with a with a carry gun. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Trevins, what distances do you do shit at for defensive stuff? Yeah, so mine's pretty much similar to T. I was going to say I would spend the vast majority of my time anywhere between three and 10 meters, but probably averaging out spending a big portion of that at about five to seven meters. So in that sort of range, but I'm also going to try and push those limits a little bit and try and do a little bit of shooting at 15 or 20 meters fairly regularly just to, to work those skills a little bit more because while it's unlikely, it is a, it is a, a marksmanship marks. It is a marksmanship fundamental. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, just on the B8 to 25, B8 to 25 are difficult with huge shooting competition guns set up mm -hmm. in ways that are really cool and slick. Shooting a clean uh, B8 at 25 with a lot of carry gun setups for a lot of shooters is going to be near impossible. Um, doesn't mean you should, shouldn't try, it doesn't mean you shouldn't aspire to that, but don't go out try and shoot a BA to 25 and go, I'm shit, I shouldn't carry a gun. Um, that is an incredibly difficult skill to master. Um, but but if you can't hit a BA to 10 meters, you may, you need to look at your skill. Yes. And if you've got the skill to do it, you need to look at your gear. Oh, ab absolutely. It's just at, at 25, which is sort of the, the classic distance that guys think of when they think B8s. And that's, that's a difficult skill. You can't do that at 10, there's a problem. Um, Problem might be you, problem might be here, as T said, but there, there is definitely a problem if you can't do it at 10. Um, if you're going to do some some slick stuff um, closer than three meters, I would highly recommend that you get some um, good quality instruction on how to do that safely because um, there's a lot of stuff that guys are getting taught to do at retention distances that will not work in an actual fight. Uh, yep. it, it will not work. I will take your gun from you. Um, and there is a lot of stuff that will work. You will be able to shoot, but you're probably going to be shooting through your arms and your own legs. So if you're going to do stuff closer than three, um, seek out competent instruction on that. Don't just go to the range, 
based on the YouTube video you just watched and go and try and do that. That is a dangerous action, right? That is legitimately dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to work on that retention shooting stuff, you need to be very cognizant of, of what you're doing. You need to be very cognizant of the range that you're on and, and if it can safely contain the bullet. Um, and, and there's ways and means to do that. Uh, three meters, even at three meters, and I, I don't shoot a lot at three meters. Um, and if I do, it'll it'll be that, uh, I don't know if he's got a name for it, but it's part of jo Scott Jitlinski's black belt standards. He does a three meter, three body, two head. And, and the goal is to do that under two seconds. Um, and I think that's about the most useful thing you can do at that distance, you know, from a, from a defensive point of view, as opposed to like a dot torture thing. Um, because at that sort of range, time is is very unforgiving. Um, you, you need to sort out that problem right now. Bear in mind as well that if you're doing that and you're carrying a, a shield, um, you've got two rounds left in the gun, maybe maybe three. Uh, so, you know, that, that's something to bear in mind as well. Once again, be, be, be wary of that Timmy thing of, doing all this cool guy shit that works when you've got a full-size service pistol and three 20 round mags of spares um, when you're now carrying a, a 10 shot pistol um, because the dynamic does become different. You know, five rounds goes from a quarter of your capacity, your available capacity to half of your available capacity. That's a big difference. Yep. And in some guns, five rounds is like more than 90% of what you have. You're carrying like a six round pistol. Five rounds is a lot. If you're carrying so, a J frame, five rounds is everything. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Be be, be mindful of that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm also in sort of the, the five to seven meter range for most things. I do want to be able to shoot my carry gun out to a distance beyond that. Obviously, want to be able to shoot it relatively quickly, closer than that. Um, but that proves to be a pretty useful distance for for practicing these sorts of skills and you're much more likely to use it at those distances than you are to try and do 50 meter headshots past someone's head in a supermarket because the internet told you that you could um, or you're likely to shoot your gun in a an actual you know, grappling situation um, let me tell you i've i've tried to access guns with actual grapplers um, i've tried to access guns against shark um obviously highly trained highly experienced guy but um you are not if i know that gun is there you are not getting that gun into the fight once we've gone to grappling you are not accessing that gun because i won't let you and you don't have to be super skilled to do that you just need to know it's there because you will fight with everything you have to stop that thing coming into play so don't delude yourself into thinking that you're going to be able to do that um yeah, you, you need to be you need to be in a dominant position before you can go to the gun if you're if you're in a in, in a grappling situation um yeah i, I think you know there, there are more useful longer range drills just from a um a fundamentals perspective um the super test is you know a, a useful one for that um the the lapd swat qualification i shot spoke about earlier a useful one for that um and you can use those things as a as a an audit of where you are um, you know the test is a it's a fist-sized target at 10 meters um, at about a shot a second. Uh, none of that should be super challenging. Um, if you can do that super easily with your, with your competition gun, 
and you can't do that at all with your carry gun, um, you may need to look at what's happening with your carry gear there. Uh, you know, but uh, it's it's about it's about trying to find sort of realistic compromises. I think more than anything, and and knowing what your limits are, um, knowing that in this situation I can't make the hit, and and there's a lot to be said for that. You know, if if you if I was carrying a J frame um, and I had to make a 15 meter headshot with where I am today, I probably couldn't make that hit on demand. Um, and while that doesn't fill me with joy and happiness at least I'm confident that I know where I am, if that makes sense. Yep. That's probably great motivation for not carrying a J-frame. Um, yeah. I like J-frames and I'm, I'm not saying don't carry them. I'm just saying that if you conceivably could need to do that, I wouldn't make that my primary carry gun. It's a great special occasion. I need something low profile, easy to carry, easy to conceal, but I wouldn't have that be my primary gun. Um, if I don't feel confident that I can do that. You're confident you can smash that and you're the dude who's okay with five rounds in his gun, coming from the dude who's okay with 10 rounds in the gun. Um, you know, power to you. If you're not that dude, maybe consider carrying something else. Amen. Stuff. Have we covered all the things that we... That, that meticulous list we spoke about in the beginning of all the topics that we wanted to cover... Yeah, I mean, the six weeks of planning, I think, have, have been pulled off perfectly. Okay. We, we prepared for this like we've told you to prepare with your carry gun. <laughs> By the no, 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 no. Pants. no, no, no. We have prepared for this like people prepare with their carry <laughs> Not how we told you to do it, but how people actually do it. <laughs> cool stuff. Mr. Evans, you want to do your thing? Yeah, sure. Um... It's good to be back, so we should be going around smoothly from now on. Uh, thanks to everyone for all of their continued support. Um, please get involved with the drill of the month for December and January. The dot torture is a really nice drill. We've done quite a few of those over the last couple of days. Um, I believe that the link to Boss Ninja's website is still available for the Welcome to the Gun Show shirts. Um, please get those ordered up and uh, keep interacting on the group. And as always, please like, subscribe, share all of those wonderful things on the show. Um, and with all of that, including the shirt, gets you club membership. Rules haven't changed. Later, losers. <laughs> <laughs>